All right, so episode two of the Partners Desk here is former St. Louis and L.A. Ram Center Tim Barnes. If you want to know more about Tim Barnes' playing career, you can just Google him. It's pretty easy to find. But uh, what you may not know from your Google searches, Tim, is a former eight-man football player. Tim, I don't actually know if you know this. I didn't tell you when we were having drinks, but I did a little research. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I think, I think that you hold the title of being the NFL player from the smallest town ever. That I I don't know. I I really don't know. I tried to do a lot of research because I really wanted Mm -hmm. to make this claim, and I looked everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was on page like 30 of Google search. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) But I, I can't officially claim that, but I think it's true. So welcome well, to the you know podcast. What? I'm just going to claim that. It's fun, I'm right? I'm just going to claim that. <laughs> now, I did. Now, one of my buddies, and he started with me uh, when I was in St. Louis on the practice squad. We were both on the practice squad. Are you going to poke a hole in my story already? Now, hold <laughs> on. He's from Montana. And he played... He played six-man ball. Now, that doesn't mean it's from a smaller town. No. Because Longwood, Missouri's smaller. Uh, there's no population sign, so I guarantee you that's smaller. So that's that's very interesting, right? So we were just talking, and you claim to be from Longwood. You are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, but sir. Everything tells everything says northwest everything that you ever hughesville everything or hughesville or mark there was some marshall um but you're a like i said we were just talking you're a big history buff and so it's probably important to you that longwood is an interesting little spot right yes like what we were just talking about um People coming up here and find their way to Longwood. Mm-hmm. You know, what, so what, tell me Snelly that. is a big railroad town, and we know that. That's a hub on its way to Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City. And there's a lot of little hubs along the way. There's Hughesville, and there's other spots. There's, you know, down in Otterville, and there's there's other little hubs along the way. But Sedalia was a very big spot, um, a location in history. You know, you look at the Bothwells. Think about how big that was for this area. And yeah. so you think about all the people that rode in on these rails. And just like nowadays, people might come to a town looking for an opportunity. And so just the same thing out in Longwood, and there's books about it by Betty Wasson. And um, she talks about all these. And, and there's a, it, it's a great historical reference about how the history of these little small towns around uh, Sedalia were built. And it, and a lot of that's just built around the railroad and about how that they would come to Sedalia and they might be looking for an opportunity to work. And maybe they're looking for this and that or whatever they're looking for, but they would come out here and then all of a sudden they find themselves on a farm working way north of town or, or south of town or east of town or anything like that. But now all of a sudden they're here and they start building roots. And so I think that that's very cool. I think that's a very honorable part of our uh, history in this area. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. So did your, so how did your family get here? Is it, is it a very similar story where they were just kind of traveling, looking for some work here and there, and then ended up liking it? Or has it always been Pettis County? Because Pettis County obviously is the best. So. Well, Pettis County is the best, and I used, you know, when I was going to Mizzou way back in the day, I used to text one of my text one of my buddies, Nick Ramey, and I'd say, "Hey, I can finally breathe again. I'm back in Pettis County." <laughs> <laughs> this was when I was coming back from Mizzou. Yeah, um, love that place. You know, it's a great place. You gotta gotta know what you're looking for there, but it's a fun place. But anyway, coming back to what we're talking about, um, you know, my my mom's grandparents they they had a farm here. And um, my my dad's my dad's from Sedalia, and he went to Smith Cotton High School, and uh, his parents, and, and I don't I can't really speak for all of that because I don't know the full history of exactly how they got here. Now, I know that there's immigration from both sides of it, and that's important too. I just don't know how. I don't want to speak for 
and illegitimately speak for what how everyone got here. Yeah. But I, so your dad went to Smith Cotton. Mm-hmm. Is it exciting to coach for your dad's alma mater? Because I know we I just found out that you were a coach over there at Smith mm-hmm. Cotton. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, I went to school at Northwest High School, which is a small school out northwest of Sedalia, and it's called Northwest. It's Pettis County, R5, and I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, I went to school with the same kids in the same grade almost exclusively, you know, through through grade school and high school. And... We had 31 or two kids in my graduating class. To yep. me, that was, that was awesome, and I loved it, and that was great. And then I went to college at Mizzou, and my first class at Middle Bush Auditorium was 500 and some kids. What, was it uh, biology? Yes. Yeah. That with was Warren Hurst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ten ten bio with yeah. Warren Hurst. I wouldn't have gotten through that without a couple <laughs> of buddies to help me. Because <laughs> you know what I did as an idiot? My freshman year, I took it at eight AM Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Uh-huh. You're not was, supposed to do that. I think I was that. eight thirty or nine my first year. So you which probably was just right, made but, it. But you know, I was you know, I had a little extra push on me because we had class checkers. Yeah. From yeah. the football team, which I you, you go through all this and, and you have a workout Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had and workouts and um, then they had class checkers, so they would send all their young coaches out mm-hmm. to the classrooms mm-hmm. and they would have a checklist. And if they didn't see you, even if you were in there, if they didn't see you, they would check you absent. Now, if you were in there, you'd have to somehow prove it, which you could. Yeah. If you were a good student, you could easily you'd have you know, prove it or and all that. But yeah. <laughs> You know, we there always was a, had to like go to the side. We, we they well, made us they wanted go you over. to sit in the T. So the T is in the front middle, and then obviously it makes a T, yeah. where the teacher can see you and vouch for you, because that's where their eyes normally go, according to research. That's what they told us. This feels like we're <laughs> deep in the weeds. Of like, listen, man, I was just there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I was it. I was at class. I was in the T. I wasn't always at biology mm-hmm. 1010. I tried, but you know. No, well, that was a fun class. No, I was there every day. So, every day. But I always had the toughest time because we'd be working out, right? From 6 till mm-hmm. 7.30, 7.45, oh, depending yeah. on whatever. And then I had it at 8 a.m., so I was like, oh, I got to. And it's clear across campus. Right. So I didn't have a moped. No, either. gosh, no. No, we're not like I these kids not. now, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, they would, if I ever did leave early, I had to leave and then come back yep. right after. So I had biology 1010 and then I had a math class. And so then mm-hmm. they said, all right, well, then at 10 o'clock, if you leave early at 10 o'clock, you're coming back. I was like, Dude, <laughs> I've showered and yep. everything. Now I got, uh, yep. How You're would right. I just miss that class You're and right. finish out my You're workout? Right. Uh-huh. And, but so you go to Mizzou after coming from Northwest Longwood area. What's more fun, eight man football or eleven man football? Hmm. You know, I've told this to people quite a bit, and like I said. Um, a lot of the guys that I've played with in the NFL, they don't even, they've never even heard of eight man. No. And there's, like I, I, I kind of mentioned this before, there's six man football in place. There's six yeah. man football in Texas, Colorado. There's Colorado, there's in Montana. Like there's smaller football than that. Now, eight man football, what it helped us do was it accentuated our best athletes. Like we just, the skill players definitely shine our, because they're just better than that, and just our say. You know, we didn't when we had eleven man football. We probably had thirteen kids on the team, Jeez. and Running and that was fine in. with us. And that's what we were used to, and we didn't care. You know, we played and we loved it, but whenever we played eight man, it, it kind of it seemed to us like it evened our talent level. Okay. You take yeah. those three extra guys off the field. Well, then you can instead of putting eleven men on the field, we can put, we can just take three guys out and rotate them. Right. 
all of a sudden we're a better team because of it. Yeah, you're getting people some breathers. You're allowing mm-hmm. – like there's probably one or two guys that you're like, okay, I mean, you're decent for for eight-man, but at 11-man mm-hmm. we can't it, – we can't It helped afford. us – You can't hide Become people. a fuller team, if you will. Yeah. Overall – now, the rules are different. Yeah. There's different rules, and there's different uh, dimensions on the field. Mm-hmm. But to me, I've always told guys – Eight-man ball was fun. Hell yeah. There was a lot more running around. There was scoring. Uh, it, it was just a points. lot of fun. Actually, somebody scored 100 points on Northwest. Yep. That, that was mm-hmm. – that That made us so mad. So, that year we were coaching, that was uh, – It was uh, just a couple of years ago. It was three or four years ago, yeah. I think. So, I was coaching at Sacred Heart, and they put up 100 on Northwest, and we had all been friends mm-hmm. with the kids and the coaches at Northwest. And so Somewhere we, in Springfield, I think. Uh, green? Green? Yes. Something. It's, yes. But, so, they came up to Sedalia to play us, and we put a licking on them. We get to 94, 96 points, something like that, <laughs> in the third quarter, <laughs> and we kneel it out. Their fans are going nuts, getting because we're like, you don't score a hundred on somebody. Like that's that's just mm-hmm. bad at it. Unless it's like a hundred to eighty nine or something. Yeah. Unless oh, it's yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember their fans were so mad that we were kneeling it out. They're like, score a hundred on us. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that, we're not like you guys. Like settle down. Like, Settled th- it. Yeah, I that get it. Blows my mind. I didn't come into this world. I didn't play eight man in high school, but when I came into the eight man world coaching, the fact that a hundred points was actually gettable mm-hmm. was so unfathomable. It's like, a different animal. Yeah, it is. It's completely different. There are different schemes. There are different. Um, like you can't blitz everything. up the middle. There. Like, and the and and the thing is, like, there's different guys that are eligible to receive the ball, and there's different. Mm-hmm guys that you have to be on the line and there's all sorts of different factors to this that a lot of people don't don't understand but that's what i would kind of tell these guys because again i'm at the nfl where i'm in i'm in a locker room with guys that were playing in the highest of the places in texas right anywhere else california and you're talking about the best of the best, and that's why these guys are here. They are in the best of the best. Don't get me wrong by any means. And when I would talk to them about playing eight-man, it's like an alien came out. <laughs> they, they didn't even know that and it was. like, what are you talking about? Eight-man. <laughs> I said, oh, man, that's fun ball. I, I said, can't you know imagine. why else? Because it, it, it condenses everything down. So, and, and you got to have your best on the best. Yes. So we had a couple of athletes that were – they played uh, – I think they ended up going like Division two basketball and um, mm-hmm. Division three football. And so you've got some players that can make some plays. If yeah. you've got some speed and a guy who can throw it – Absolutely. Holy – I mean, you're going to win most games. Now you get to a team like um, – not North Andrew, which North Andrew, I don't know if you ever played against them. Nope. So it's a really funny story. They have about 55 guys come out to their football team and they play eight man. That, yeah. I've heard about teams like that where it's just so ingrained that eight man is their yep. deal uh-huh. that they just won't ever change. And mm-hmm. everybody comes out, wants to be part of a state championship right. team. Yeah, absolutely. Just like the highest levels of like 6A Texas. Mm hmm. Absolutely. You're right. So would you recommend – so this is a really tough thing that we fought here in Sedalia is that one team's eight, the other team's 11. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple of transfers um, at points that said, no, I'm going to go play real real football. Or they didn't even make it past eighth grade. They're like, no, I'm transferring to play real football. Do you recommend – kids to play eight man whether they're trying to make it to the next level or not is it is it something you should experience or um, i don't think that's really a question of either or you know i 
what I what I want to see is kids just playing football. Um, the biggest thing that hurts my heart here lately is the fact that people are so scared to let their kids do anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even talking about sports. Like we're talking about anything that they might get hurt or do whatever. Kids need to be kids. If they, if my kid wants to do, you know, soccer, if he wants to do, and I've got, I've got a a young daughter and I've got a young boy, you know, whatever they want to do, I'm not going to tell them no on anything. If he doesn't want to play football, he doesn't want to play football. Right. I'm not going to make him. Or you can make him be a kicker or a punter. It's yeah. He, you know. you know, I can punt the ball. Listen, I can punt the ball. I'm all about. I've already told my wife. I said, our son, because we're gonna have three sons. That's oh, it. I'm just congratulations. I'm, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, to man, two only man to man oh, coverage. Okay, okay, man to man coverage. There you uh, go. No, I've said that they want to play football. I'm gonna push them kicker, punter, mm-hmm. man. Like you ain't gonna man long snapper maybe, but you ain't gonna end up broken. Now, now you got to throw in a little bit of tight end. They need to get hit once in a while. <laughs> okay. A long snapper. I we played with a couple guys mm-hmm. at Mizzou that were long snappers, and then scout team tight yep. ends. That's probably I, plenty. No, that's of exactly. I understand around. it. <laughs> but you want to re- gain the respect of your linemen. Make sure that. Okay, that's fair. I had not thought about yep. that. Make sure that they know where it comes from. <laughs> no, I'm. You know what I'm. What I'm saying is, <clears throat> I think that there's a lot. There's been so much negative talk about football. And obviously there's been a ton of rule changes and all, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But the game is very, very safe if the kids do what the coaches say. Yeah, and, and I can say this for what we teach, that we teach, you know, keep obviously head up and do all this stuff and, try and do it the best way we can with, you know, and we're getting videos from the high school association and all this stuff, and we're doing the best we can. But there's also a lot of common sense. But at the same time, you got to let your kids be kids. you got to let your kids do what they want to do. And you and can't make your decisions about, for them. No, you're no. You're not just talking about football. No, I'm just talking about football like, or sports or anything right. like that. I'm talking about life. Sometimes your kids just got to make their own decisions. And when they get out when they get out of line, you direct them. So Jackson's going to be the, the golf star, right? That's now what it sounds a, like. Now Jackson's a lefty. So that's a problem because I'm a righty. No, but that's perfect, right? So that you can be right in front of him and you're showing it. He can just mirror it. Uh Absolutely. Now, the problem with that is I keep telling Jackson, I'm like, Jackson, now we need to uh, let's put this in the other hand because, uh, you know, those clubs are going to be they're going to be far and few few and far between whenever you get older. And I don't have those to hand you down. Like, how's dad going to get? A new pair of clubs when I can't tell my wife, hey, Jackson, uh, Jackson needs a new pair of clubs. I, Dad needs to <laughs> – he's going to get my old pair. So that was the best part when I grew up. So my dad gave me his old clubs, and they were some 90s clubs or whatever, but they were oh, so – Oh, that sounds f- like the best. Right. They were so far – they were like the Tommy Armour, like, <laughs> eight, five, sixes, like the only club they ever made well. <laughs> and it was a it was a uh, marriage or anniversary gift from my mom, mm-hmm. so I had to play with it. I'm like, man, this is awesome. So then a couple of years ago, I got fitted, and I'm like, wow, like now I actually have like clubs from this century. <laughs> now I can actually <laughs> now I actually feel it. Like I can hit this ball somewhere. I can feel but, it. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah, but no, it is funny. Um, that's how most people get started, right? Is they do mm-hmm. pass these clubs down. So you're gonna, you know what you need to do? 
You need to get on. I got to start golfing left handed, apparently. <laughs> or you just got to get on uh, Boone Cronkey's good side. Oh, sh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Just get his. Yeah. So um, I did ask you about this earlier, but I want to have it on the podcast because I think it'll be funny. Um, rookie dinners. Mm hmm. Right. So you were saying that uh, because there was no O-linemen drafted, that you guys had kind of a pseudo rookie breakfast, kind of did some. But tell tell everybody a little bit about like the ones that you went to or those those uh, Mm -hmm. family dinners, if you will. So what we would do and this was part of our room, we had a room and we were there. You know, here's what a lot of people don't understand is, um, I say a lot of people, and I don't want to speak for people by any means, but a lot of people think that NFL, and I'm strictly speaking for us, was that you'd go to the game and you'd play, and that was your job, and that's it. Now... Obviously, with ESPN the way they are now and things like that, that's changed a little bit. But players are in the office probably 14 hours every day. It's a full-time. It's a a job. Oh, absolutely. And and if you're not in there, somebody else is. It's not like you're sitting there doing accounting where the next accountant is doing it better than you. No, no, no. And that's the thing. No offense to accountants, but. You're, uh, you know, obviously. (laughs) But. You're there hours upon hours upon hours a day. And that's during the season. Uh, One of the things that I tell people, a couple of my buddies that I'm close with, I'm like, you know, for 17 weeks, I never got a day off. You know, and this isn't anything. It's not bragging. it's It's not doing anything. I'm just trying to explain it in the broadest form. Mm-hmm. You know, people get weekends in every job they have or they have off a day or they have two days off every three days or whatever they have. I didn't have a day off. No, the people's day off are spent watching mm-hmm. you on your days on. And what I would do is, you know, we would get a day off. Well, you know what my day off was? I was going in. I was I was mandating a film watching session with my other linemen. And we were going over what we needed to be doing for the next week. And, yes, I agree. That's all part of the job, and that's what we're paid for. I fully understand that. There's So no one can say that. Like it's That's what we signed up for. We all knew that. Right. But there's plenty of people out there, I think, I believe, that don't understand that a lot of these guys put in 16 hours a day every day neglecting family, wives, children, this and that, just to put a product on the field that they can watch. And I think that's important. It's not. I don't want to steal the light from anything, but I think that's important for some people to know that that's not a lot that people ever talk about. No, like you- They get paid a lot? Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Yes, get paid a killing. But there's a lot given up. If you look at the hours, if you look at the hourly wage for the amount of time people spend film room, uh-huh. practice, working out, it's probably not as disgusting as a salary looks. Just because yep. those hours are there, you get a month or two where you kind of get to be yourself, but mm-hmm. you still have to keep some. But sort- you're still on it. Right, exactly. And you're still responsible for your body. Yes. That's where I was going with this. You're still Mm -hmm. working out. You're still eating clean. You're still probably meeting with – that's probably the time when you go into those silly, like, bio chambers where you, like, get Mm -hmm. the deep freeze. Have you ever done one of those? I have not done one of those. I was going to, but I just – you know, I don't like the cold that much. (laughs) I just didn't want to do it. And and I've got – I've dove dove headfirst into ice full – uh, cattle stock trailer, or not a trailer, but a uh, um, tank yeah, full yeah, of yeah. ice water. I've dove full head, head on full into that. And come up and you feel fine. I yeah. promise you feel better than if you just dip into it's it. It's the most incredible. But I've never done the chill deal. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. I just never did it. 
I don't know. Those after practice, so like, oh, so yeah. we had the trash cans uh-huh. that we just fill up with ice and water. Oh, my God. There is no feeling like going out, practicing for two or three hours, and then jumping into a trash can full or like a like man-sized kiddie mm-hmm. pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just jump in there. And you just lay there. Of course, usually it was just us, you know, I can speak for us because it was linemen as far as me and all us guys. We would go in there and we'd just be like, ugh. And we'd do there 15 minutes. We're just like, throw in another bag of ice and we'd sit there and melt the ice. Because we just got done running. We're we're hot. Like, we're hot. We're putting off heat. We're talking about three or four, you know, 300-pound guys that are putting off Probably it off our you know body skin temperature. We're probably putting off a hundred degrees. Oh yeah. You know easy. we're just talking about we're melting ice left and right. We're like throwing another bag, and then by the time we cool off, we're just like we get out, and then by you get a time to go back to the meetings, and you're during a couple of Gatorades, you're like I'm freezing. <laughs> like I need to I need to warm up. So you put on a hoodie or something. It's like right. I feel like I'm being counterproductive here for a second. <laughs> So I did want to ask. So you uh, were at three hundred ish, about there mm-hmm. when you were playing. What's it like? Because we were talking about you had a weight loss challenge and you lost a bunch of weight at mm-hmm. one point. What's it like maintaining three hundred pounds? Like, what's the meal plan? What's the workout like? What? Because there are a lot of people. So we're not that different. Uh, height wise mm-hmm. right I don't have near as broad a shoulders as you do right. like, but I couldn't make it past 200 300 um, has to be a different beast you know I never thought about it until I got done and when I finally really decided I was done um, I kind of you know I changed my diet and was losing weight and it wasn't anything crazy. It was just, uh, you know, pounds here, pounds there, blah, 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 this and that. Well, then, you know, you end up losing 20, 30 pounds. And I'm like, well, where did that come from? And a lot of it's muscle because right. well, th- that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is how explosively strong an NFL player is, no matter what position they play. Right. Like, they're extremely strong. Because that's where it is. You look up to a lineman, you may, oh, he looks fat. Oh, no. That ain't true. No, 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 no. I, I'll give you a perfect example. And I've never played him. One of the players I've never played against, never met him in person, but Vince Wilfork. Mm. I bet you the average person on the street would say, oh, he's fat. <laughs> I, think I he bet was not. The, I think he was like the image for people outside to be like, I could oh, do so that. You could just be uh-huh. a big, big guy and a uh, big fat guy and like playing the NFL. It's like, yep. no, 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 no. Unlike, and like I said, I've never played him. I don't know him, but I guarantee you he had more technique mm-hmm. and was quicker than anyone else would imagine. So when you were playing against these guys, when it comes to playing against a nose tackle, Mm-hmm. or um, any kind of defensive lineman in general. The worst part, I'm going to make a statement that's kind of a question. The worst part is how quick their hands are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have a couple of guys being in the NFC West that so you hated. one of the guys, I don't I won't necessarily call him a hatred, but he, he forced me to become a better player, which – I hated playing against him, so we'll put it that way. But he forced me to become a better player. That's Brandon Mebane. And he played for Seattle at the time. He They played him as a tight one tech. And a lot of times they play him as a tilt. And anyone that watches football knows what I'm talking about. And what he would do. Is it bad if I don't know what you're talking about? Is, no. <laughs> he, he went, I think he went to the Chargers after uh, Seattle. Anyway, what he would do, he'd line up. So I'm, I'm, I'm right there with the ball, and he would line right up against me, like right here, mm-hmm. damn near touching my, my helmet. And he was so quick off the ball. And we're talking about 320, 330. 
course, I'm well, giving up 30 pounds, 40 pounds. Right. Depending. And you're talking about someone who all, his job is to disrupt up the field. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're, you know, we're, we're running outside zone. Your job is no penetration. Push them. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a rock meeting a hard place. Yeah. And that's the bad thing about something like that. But, you know, he was one of the guys that I attributed some of my success to later on. And I, I didn't have a great long career. I played for quite a few years, but I didn't It's not like you were a one-and-done guy. Like, I, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm on the team. Yeah, I could say that, but I feel like I need to be doing something more. And that's what always drove me as far as – I'm here, but I'm not here. As far when right, at that right. point when in my on career, Sunday comes, you're like, "Well, I'm doing all I can, but I feel like I need to do more." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something like, I, I've I've got more in me. Yeah, I can do more, and I've I had to bide my bide my time for a lot of years, and that goes for the NFL, where and and not saying I was ready for it. Um, I think I hit my time when I started. Right, and I felt like I played very well that year. And then the next year, too, when I started, uh, it was later on in my career, but I learned from some of the best. I had a very good coach. I had a very good guy in front of me who was a pro bowler. Who was your line coach? uh, Paul Boudreaux. Okay. Uh, He coached for 30-some years, 32 or 34 years in the NFL. Yeah. That's – it says something. That's I mean, something. Yeah. Um, very good guy. Uh, I played, you know, the guy that was starting ahead of me was Scott Wells. He came from Green Bay to St. Louis. He was a Pro Bowl center. You don't just go in and, as a two-year guy that's never played, beat out right. uh, a Pro Bowl center. So, you just don't do it. That's not how that works. So that does beg the question. We all know how a quarterback sets himself apart in practice, mm-hmm. how a wide receiver or a running back may, or even a tight end. But how does an O-lineman, a center – now, I mean, I get a center like, all right, you don't have any miss snaps. But at that level, very, very few times yep. anybody miss mm-hmm. snap. Mm-hmm. How do you set yourself apart? Oh, you'd be apart? surprised. Well, I mean, look at Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, and this. No. I mean, could you believe that first play? Thank God I had the Browns. <laughs> but how do you set yourself apart? Uh, the thing that I concentrated on and what my, you know, I'll kind of divert and digress just a second and say this. You know, we, we have agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked my guy. When I was in college, um, legally, Obviously, like your freshman year, right? No, oh, yeah, oh yeah, because I was so good. No, um, tw- end of my junior year, going into my senior year, they they have a deal at Mizzou, at least when we were and when I was there, that um, you know you have a, you get put on a list, and they say, uh, well, these agents want to talk to you because they think that you have a chance, blah blah blah. So I talk to these guys and end up, and you kind of go through a, almost a dating deal right. where it's, you it's figure like out a, if they work for you or not. Yeah. And I w- ended up getting with a guy, and again, I know this is a tangent, but we just clicked. And we're good friends to this day. Uh, he likes the things that I like. We, we do the things, we do things together. Um, he's been there when my kids were, you know, were born, and... And he's, all sorts he's of like stuff. A, he's, he's, he's another member of the family. Exactly. That's he's I mean. just a good guy. He's not like one of those mainstream guys like you'd hear about. Like th- th- some of these guys, they they have lives too. Like you don't always. They're they're not made out to be like what you hear on a lot of these other things. Like on some the of these guys that are agents or, are just yeah. they're just regular guys looking to help out other people. And that's what mine was. And he's a great guy, and I love him to death. His name's Matt. He's a great guy. And so, but, you know. Is that they what work. influences some of the O-line? I, the reason as far I, as. Is how you move up in the food chain. 
because um, that, you went off. You were claiming to go off on a tangent there, and I'm wondering if that has something to do with how a guard, perhaps, who doesn't have that obvious of an interaction during the during a play, mm-hmm. might move up the 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 depth chart. I mean, there's some of that. Uh, you know, a lot of it's selling points. Because that's what it ends up being. You know, you're a product waiting to be sold when you're drafted okay. or whenever you're even picked up. However, you're you're a product. You know, let's be bluntly honest. Unfortunately, yeah, it's a commodity. Almost, mm-hmm. right? you're, yeah. you're a commodity that you're being sold. Yeah. And so what they're doing is trying to get out your best selling points. So if I'm, a, if I'm the best center at snapping the ball – and I've never had a bad snap in four years. That's great, but can you move your feet? Can you pass block? Can you do this? Can How you do measurable that? is that? I mean, I know that we've got. You know, I know that, the NFL that's, has that's a lot the part, of money. That's a good question. If I yeah. knew that, I might, I might be coaching higher up than high school. Well, I mean, you just started, <laughs> right? I mean, right. we're just getting started. I know. Here. You're going to be a, in the draft. Draft night. You're ranked seven out of 49 centers. Fun fact. Uh, <laughs> Fun fact. I, I'm sure you knew that, but I learned that the other day. I was like, okay. Because that, that seems like you're a very, like, like that's any seven out of 49. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, people go for the money with it's like wide receiver, quarterback, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, probably like 30 quarterbacks get drafted or whatever. <laughs> but, um, and you were projected seventh round. Did you guys – so this is a two-parter. One, did you watch the draft that year the first two days? And did you, when you were um, playing, watch the draft every day? Um. Uh. So th- for the first answer, we didn't watch it's anything. Fine. Thanks. Um, the first couple days, because we, you know, we knew there was that was not a, not really an option, and okay. we were realistic. You know, we knew going in. This goes back to my agent being a realistic guy, saying, you know, you're not going to go in the first three rounds. Whatever, don't worry about it. Was he there with you? No, he was not there with me. We were close contact on the phone. Um, now, we had information from – and I took some pre-draft visits, uh, or a pre-draft visit with the Ravens. So that means that um, – They're interested, right? They're very interested. If they're bringing oh, me out okay. before before the draft, they brought me out in person, flew me out. But So you didn't watch real, – you didn't really watch the first two days? No. No, we went, I, you know. You weren't even interested who might be in the class with you? Uh, I knew who was in there with me, and they weren't going in there. Centers are rarely, rarely drafted in the first round or three. Really? I uh, don't. Not, you know, if you're going to get a little lineman, you're going to get a tackle. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, if you're someone has to be looking for a center, or you got to be damn good. But they're also going to know that – even if I'm and you better be able center. to play guard. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, is the I, I'm sorry, I'm keep interrupting, but They're draft fun. day story, and then I'll ask my question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, going back to that is, and this, of course, this this is all learning process for me. I'm new to this. Right, right, you know, right, right. This what everyone has remember like. So, I can talk about this now, knowing it, but at the time, I have no clue. Right. Uh, you you're know, a 22-year-old kid. What, like. you're, what they're looking for is, okay, so you're a mediocre center. Yeah, we might be able to draft you. Was but, that really what? Oh, I mean, I, I'm saying that is just uh, oh, okay. for myself. I got you. But what can, can you play guard? Have you ever played guard? Well, shit, I never played guard in college. Okay, well, what they need to know is, can you play all three inside positions? Yeah. Because, you know. Left and right guard are different. Oh, absolutely. Which 
I didn't realize until I started looking into scouting, but they are not wildly different, but they're they are different. Your technique and and th the guys that are the guys that are very fanatical about their technique, it's very hard for them to switch because like the, like the creme de la creme, like the well, really I'm not saying the guys are, that are super good. I'm just saying the guys that are very professional. So I've been around a lot of. I've played around a lot of people that are very good, and I've played around a bunch of pro bowlers. Uh, like I said, I've been around, um, you know, I play with Jake Long. I play with Scott Wells. I play with a lot of guys that have been on pro bowl teams, and they're very good. And I've played on with guys that are um, Harvey Dahl, Garrett Reynolds. These guys, you don't know who they are, but they are such professionals at their job. They did so much behind the scenes, and they were so good on the field. And the reason you never heard about them, because they were linemen. Well, yeah. And they never gave up a sack or never screwed up So that's, because that's how they did their job. So that – I saw a statistic the other day that the left tackle for Alabama or maybe the – there was an offensive lineman through three years of starting – had never given up one sack. I looked. I I, I was in Vegas, and <laughs> and I looked. I looked at this is like uh, Monday night after the which I had Alabama easiest mm -hmm. pick in the world, right? And I looked at my wife and I was like, "Can you believe this guy has never given up a sack no. in his college career?" But I, I've never I heard his name before until that stat. I can't mm -hmm. even remember his name now. And that's I mean, the thing. That's always the brag about O-Lyman is you never hear their names unless it's bad. And that's supposed to be your brag. Or you punch uh, A.J. <laughs> McCarron. <in laughs> uh, <laughs> we uh -huh. all know Barry Jones. Uh-huh. Which, Barrett. actually, you were talking about you played with him. Yep. Hope so Barrett. he got you to – did he – so – once again, we're gonna skip around topics. Oh yeah, but we're, did, we're diving all the way around. Listen, here. I this is we've been going for about fifty-five minutes. I'll go for another fifty-five more, easy. Um, you were already getting into golf, but did Barrett Jones kind of push you into it, um, or was it he just kind of gave you some pointers? Kind of both. Now I'd been somewhat getting into golf. I, I'd been interestingly entertaining it. And, it's a fun sport. And Barrett was he's good at it. Now he's dang good at it. And I was hor I'm still horrible. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> horrible. Are you you're a member out here? I yep. Good. At the country club. Right, and I good. enjoy the I enjoy every bit of it and I try and get out there as much as I can. It's not as much as I'd like to or anybody would like to, but right. you know, like that's just I, part of it. I'd be out there every day like those right. old guys on right. the Oats bus. Right. <laughs> 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 but um, you know, he was one of the ones that he's like, you know, Tim, Tim, go come, come with me, and I'll get you fitted. So he's one that kind of pushed me to get fitted and do this and that. Now, whether it's a right fit or not, I don't know. Well, we, because we that was talking. that was before I actually ever started playing. So I'm yeah. sure my swing has changed. <laughs> right. It has to. But we were talking like at six three, six four, which is where we're roughly mm -hmm. at, like. You can't just take some off-the-shelf stuff. Right. You need an extra inch and a half, maybe two mm -hmm. inches, don't we all? And, <laughs> and, and uh, just to be able to be mm -hmm. swinging smooth. So he got you fitted. You got some clubs. How much time – obviously, you don't get to play in the season because we were talking about working 14, 16-hour days. Do you just – in those two months that you kind of work out – at one point during the day, do you just golf the rest of the time, or is it <laughs> is it a lot of family time? Like, how often now, do you did you actually get to golf? That's going to depend on what you where you're at in your stage of life. Okay, so yeah. for let, let's say you're a guy that has no wife, no kids, nothing. You're couple of mistresses, you're single but guy, whatever. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, when we're in the summer in the OTA workouts, we're there for four or five hours and we're done. Well, what are they going to do the rest of the day? Shit, you're – let me give an example of St. Louis. There's plenty of clubs around there. Yeah. They're welcome to host love, a – Love me some Larry Flint's. 
<laughs> I'm talking about golf clubs, country clubs. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, we were talking about that. <laughs> you know, you're talking about a lot of places like that that are welcoming All NFL players. Rams players, yeah. You know, like that where uh, I played – I, I know, knew quite a few guys that were very good golfers and played quite a few golf, quite a bit of golf in the summer. Now, in the, in, during the season, that's – if you're ever caught playing golf during the season, you're on the team. Probably not a good deal for you. Just because everybody's out grinding, yeah. You don't have time. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. Now, uh, someone who, for for myself, for example, who has you know wife, young kids, things like that. So you were married the entire time. Yep. That you're okay. I'm. You know, it's going to be a little harder for me to go out and say, yeah, I'm. Uh, I know you got the kid, had him all day. I'm going to I'm gonna go golf the rest of the day <laughs> yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, so that that makes it a little bit different. But, there, you know, there's a lot of good golf. And I tell you, you know who – I don't think this is really a surprise to anybody because they seem to be good at everything. But golf or uh, golfers, the best golfers seem to be the quarterbacks and the kickers. Well, kickers, are, kickers are obvious, right? Because in college – all they had to do was go kick, and they didn't have to work out with the team. They don't have the same workout mm-hmm. program. Like uh, Andrew Baggett is the biggest guy I've ever seen because they didn't have to do the same workout program. So they'd work out arms mm-hmm. for a cut. They're like, oh, I don't want to hurt my legs. <laughs> <laughs> they just work out arms and just be the biggest guy possible. Right. And then in the summer, they go kick. You know, If you kick 100 times – it only takes you like an hour, maybe, or two hours, mm-hmm. but you're not you're not gonna kick a hundred times. Like that's mm-hmm. gonna wear out your leg. You oh don't yeah, do that. best thing they got to take care of their own bodies because that's a art in itself. You know those oh, kickers. Yeah. You know those guys are. Everyone wants to make fun of kicker, and I'm don't get me wrong. Now I have a little bit different right to make fun of kickers because I've been around them. Yeah, and I've done no, I other make, things. I make fun of my buddies who are but, kickers, but but. You know those guys; they're in pressure-packed situations every time. Like every they don't just—they don't just come out and kick. A so lot of times a, the game's on the line, and you're like, "That's where you find out those people." You so know what I mean? Very similar to a center who has the ball every play, mm-hmm. right? That you have to be on point every play. But a kicker comes out usually at the worst time. Everybody's pissed yep. that they have to come out or they have to win the game. Mm-hmm. You're right. And You're right with that. And so for them to be on point, if somebody kicks 98%, people are always going to remember that 2%. Mm-hmm. Yep. It Especially is. if it's the worst 2%. I in. I mean, like oh, a you lost a you, game you winner. Won, you kick 98 out of 98 in a row, but all of a sudden – those last two in the championship game you missed. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly where I'm going with that. I, it, it. This goes back to our original talk about people don't understand what actually goes into mm-hmm. being a professional athlete in general. And, uh, and, right? and that's not any fault to anyone no, they just, out there. It's just <clears throat> there's – it's such a niche, and no one know, nobody really knows that many, if any, ever professional athletes. Right. It's not like you go out and talk to two or three a day. No, I mean, even if you're living in L.A., where there's five teams or whatever, the chance that you see one? And talking. So, <laughs> for me, being from Missouri – Playing at Missouri, mm-hmm. and then, true son, and then uh, you know I went to Baltimore for a few weeks during camp. Yeah, and then ended up getting picked up by the Rams in St. Louis. And it's like, well, this is so nice because you know I'm so close to home. Like uh, my wife, uh, You're she's only from two Kansas hours City. from like, there, right? Uh, yeah, we were from at home. a time. At a time, we were. Two hours and 15 minutes doorstep from our apartment in St. Louis 
when, when we bought one of our houses near Sedalia to that doorstep. Yeah. Two hours and 15 minutes. It's a lot like closer than Baltimore. That's amazing. Yeah. And then we were there for years. I mean, five years almost. Four or five years. And then we start hearing about these, which we obviously heard very quite a few rumblings of going to Well, you hear LA. it from everybody else but the organization. But the organization. And then yeah. finally we hear they're moving. Well, you're under contract, or I was not. You had, a cu- you had two years left, right? I was not under contract yet. Oh, okay. And then I signed with them. Go with them. Great, signed two years. Take the move out there. No idea what's, well, you know, I had went out there on a, I, let's call it a pre-signing trip. Okay. Went out there and, um. They were telling the whole, I won't say the whole team, but most of the team went out there and uh, they flew everyone out and they said, this is what it's going to kind of be like. And for uh, you guys that are on the team, this is what it's going to be like for what, you guys that are. What do you mean? Like they were going to put you up or they were going to we were, like help you out? What, what did we mean We went that? out there as just kind of a pre-deal where it was like. Like in this March is what it's or gonna April be like. yep. kind of deal? Yep. Oh, okay. Where it's going to be like. Uh, all the guys that were on the team, no matter what, this is your pre-move. Like, like if you need situation. a house, I got you. This is what you're. This is what it's like. This is what we're telling you. Oh, okay. For you guys that are going to be free agents, this is what it's going to like. This is what it's going to be like. This is what we're telling you. So it was all the same information, but I went out there not knowing if I was going to be there or not. Right. And, of course, I weighed my options, did all this and that, and ended up signing with them. We moved out to L.A. Yeah. It's different. I mean, it's a it's a different animal. That's a lot of traffic. I enjoyed every bit of the time I was in the NFL, and I don't want anyone to take anything negative away from my um, experience, what I've had in the NFL. Um, I've maybe brought to light some of the things that I've had. Uh, and some of my experiences, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy every part of it. Um, it gave me more than I've ever dreamed that I would ever have. Um, it gave me an opportunity to do things I never thought I would have with coaching and, and um, having my own farm and raising my kids here in Sedalia. I mean, that's just – there's nothing about the NFL that I would redo and change all I'm all I'm wanting to do is just, just tell my story, and that's what I want people to know. I'm not criticizing anybody, anything, anything like that. I'm just just telling you how it is.